0: There is no intro to this podcast. This is Process Potables episode 73, titled, I'm Just Riffin' Baby. I am your host, Dan Morgan, joined by my co-host, Steve Jones, and we just found out one fucking minute ago that Dwight Howard has agreed to a one-year deal with the Philadelphia 76ers via Sham Shrania on Twitter. Steve, before we get into anything else we actually prepared for... (laughs) Dwight Howard is a sixer. Did you ever imagine the day?
1: No, and I I thought the riffing was going to start to slow down. And just just when I felt like, okay, we got our notes, we know what's going on. Wait, Dwight fucking Howard? Like, we literally found this out, like, not even 30 seconds before you press record. So, everyone wanted New Noel, which was fine, but I think people were just obsessed with the nostalgia part of it. People forget that he was a bit of a dickhead. Uh, for a good part of his time here. Um, Not that Dwight Howard's any, you know, less of a dickhead, but, uh, I mean, we need more dicks on this team. And, uh, listen, dude, like, I could sit here and tell you all the things I hate about Dwight Howard, but, dude, past several years, from having the most expensive backup center in the history of the NBA to the Greg Munro's and just, like, Dwight Howard, welcome to the team, bro. All right, so... I wanted to be completely off the wall with this, but I feel like you just brought it
0: down to earth before I even got to say anything. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay, because here's the reality. Yes, there are a lot of things I could complain about regarding Dwight Howard, but I do think that over the past few years, he has turned the corner and has become accepting of the fact that he is like a veteran role-playing center, and in that regard, he is such an ideal fit for this team He can do so many of the things Joel Embiid can do. We've talked about with Doc Rivers that we're hoping that, you know, they're not going to force a backup big into doing the same kind of things you may ask of Joel, being that there is no backup big that is Joel Embiid, and Dwight Howard is by no means Joel Embiid. But Dwight Howard could do a lot of things scheme-wise that you want out of Joel, obviously not the the offensive uh, proficiency or being as prolific a scorer as Joel Embiid, but, you know, can he can he bang down on the block? Can he protect the rim? All of those things, absolutely. He can still do those things uh, very well. I think had a pretty good season in Los Angeles, having to deal with, you know, whether they wanted AD to be the center, whether they wanted JaVale McGee to play. Here he's going to come into a very specific role. He's going to come in to back up Joel Embiid. That is going to be the only thing. And I would imagine with a signing like that, that he is the guy to back up Joel Embiid. I don't think you're going to see another name that you could, you know, potentially throw in that role. We've been hearing a lot of people wax poetic about Nerlens Noel who we could say a lot of the same things about. I said today that I don't get the thing about Nerlens Noel with all these Sixers fans other than the nostalgia part. He's had attitude issues. He hasn't stuck on anywhere. Yes, he's a talent. Yes, he's an athlete. But has anybody really gotten the most out of him? Has anybody really figured out a way to get him locked in and everything? I really haven't seen it. And he has a lot of the issues that you know we don't want with this team, which is, you know, inconsistency, lack of engagement, finishing around the rim. And, you know, Dwight Howard can't hit anything, you know, away from the rim to save his life, but he's a decent finisher. You know, he he was a, a 20 and 10 guy. You know, he was a, an MVP candidate, he was a defensive player of the year yeah. kind of guy. Obviously, that's a, a long time ago, but man, like, I. I love this move, and I know most Sixers fans probably aren't going to get behind it, and I'm not going to give anybody shit for not liking this move, but personally, I am all about this move, so much so that we immediately dove right into this episode, skipping everything we had planned, the entire timeline of the episode, all the audio we had prepared, and whatnot, because we just found out. Shout out to our boy, Ty Dalbert. Of Philly's Nation because he's been the one breaking news to me because yeah. you know we're we're old men we're busy we're tired <laughs> whatever it is you know we're we're not as as engaged as we used to be in, in our old age and admittedly I've been drinking a lot today for what it's worth it kind of happens when you work at a brewery I'm finding
1: out and then do a beer podcast afterwards
0: right and I mean I'm gonna drink this bone salt swoosh right now occupational hazard right on the pod this week but uh you know uh swig of beer for the working man.
1: Hmm.
0: And I know you've got the uh, La Petite Damon mm. over there, which we just canned this week. And there will be plenty more Bonesaw cans getting done next week, as we just received our 12 ounce shipment today. So a lot going on from Bonesaw. But I digress. Ty breaking the news to us, as he has broken so much news to me. He just says what, and we're literally going through the rundown for this episode. You know, minutes beforehand trying to figure out everything we need to discuss. I, I have notifications for Adrian Wojanowski on only this week. I've never turned on notifications on Twitter once in my life. <laughs> I turned them on for Woj this week because I knew we were going to have to pod. I believed Moore was going to make moves that I wanted to be aware of. And I had just checked, and I wasn't seeing anything regarding to the Sixers. And, and I just checked, and I was seeing things about – Gallinari going to the Hawks. I'm seeing Rodney Hood going to the Trailblazers. Josh Jackson going to the Pistons. All of these things.
1: Julio Okafor signing a two year deal with Detroit.
0: Yeah. what I mean, I, <laughs> they got uh like Myers Leonard, too, right? Like, what is going on yeah in Detroit? I'm so confused, but whatever. We get Dwight Howard. I'm stoked. Didn't get the notification because I guess Shams beat Woj to it. So good for you, Shams. Mm. But Ty breaking the news to us and Steve, I gotta, I, I have to give Ty you know, his due because I'm sure he's gonna want this known. Do you know who also previously played with Dwight Howard?
1: That's currently on the Sixers. No. Or?
0: Somebody that we've talked about though. Uh, Jameer Nelson. No, when have uh, we talked about Jameer Nelson? No,
1: but I that came to me because we did recently hire him in the front office. I think he's a scout. Oh, slash no, I'm talking about assistant GM. I'm talking star player to the Sixers. Star player to the Sixers. Did Tobias play with him in Orlando? No, no, Steve.
0: I'm ta- <laughs> I'm talking James Harden. Oh, okay. James Harden. James Harden. Previous right, teammate right, right. of Dwight Howard. Previous player yeah. under Daryl Morey. The, uh, you know, draw whatever parallels you want. I'm not saying anything. I don't think that this is an indicator, but the facts are what they are. So we'll leave it at that. But Dwight Howard, one-year deal. I love it. I'm completely on board
1: with it. Dude, it's funny because on the way here, I read right before I got into my car that they said, well, apparently Dwight Howard had, I guess, a deal in place with the Lakers, but then Shams kind of walked back and said, oh, no, he's still considering his options. I'm like, Well, What's his options, like, to retire or go back to L.A.? Like, what's there to choose from? And then 20 minutes later. Well, well, Steve, let me ask you. Would you rather play with
0: current LeBron James, you know, late 30s, you know, declining just a bit, obviously tremendous, excellent player, still potential league MVP type candidate. But, you know, there's some unrest there. They say Anthony Davis is coming back, but he opted out. He is going to, you know, hear some offers, I suppose. You just won in this weird lockout, you know, quarantine kind of season. Can you can you pull that, you know, rabbit's hat or rabbit's leg, whatever the fuck is lucky about them, <laughs> rabbit's tail? What? It, I don't... What yeah. Do you, yeah, sure. Uh, can you do that again? Or do you want to play with the next LeBron James mm. vis-a-vis Ben Simmons and elite big man in Joel Embiid that very much fits your style and a coach in Doc Rivers who clearly is is capable of winning titles, a president of basketball operations who is very focused on making a contender right away. I don't know if Dwight and Elton Brand have some kind of relationship, but it feels like Elton Brand has a relationship with every big man yeah. that has been in the league throughout his entire career, which Dwight was very much so for a long time. So it feels like there's a lot there. So I think that Dwight will be a great yeah. veteran presence Will be able to be, you know. Al Horford had ups and downs. We're gonna to get to Al Horford. Hmm. All things considered, there were, there were times we were happy, times we weren't. Uh, you know, that's the the safest way I can say it. I think that while we may not get the highs we got from Al Horford, necessary from Dwight Howard, I don't think we're gonna get anywhere near the lows we had with him because I think Dwight will just be able to be more consistent, have an established role, and a role that fits what he Mm -hmm. wants to do, is capable of doing, and is willing to do for this team.
1: And all of his points are just going to be straight alley-oops from Ben Simmons. Yeah. It's going to be... We had a lot of good uh, highlight
0: packages with him. Now, speaking of alley-oops, because this, it actually segues perfectly into my next point, the Sixers took a guy that I think is going to be able to deliver a, a tremendous amount of alley-oops, which weirdly seems like something that not many guys on this team have been able to do. I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like for the majority, this team, more than any, has botched so many lob attempts because there just aren't guys that can throw them and With their first-round pick that they were able to maintain, thank God, the Sixers drafted a kid that not only can throw some of those laws, but can score, can defend, can do a whole bunch of things, and we're going to talk about him right after this clip. With the 21st pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select Tyrese Maxey, from the University of Kentucky. Now, that was not mere Steve screaming in excitement. I believe that was Tyrese Maxey's mother, but either way, I was very excited about this pick. One of the few guys that I did know about being a potential candidate for the Sixers, and from everything I've heard, you know, if, if you take away his injury and his inability to really play in the tournament, there, there was a lot of people that seemed to believe that he could have went as high as like four or five in this draft, which is incredible because we're used to getting a guy in the top five who then gets hurt. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like we found the guy whose injury happened to let him fall to us and may actually be up in that level. And Steve, I want to get more from you on him before I really go in. But the one thing I want to say before I throw it to you is this. And, and I'll expand on this more and, and I'll see what you think about this. Everything I've watched from this kid, I see so much Markel Fultz <laughs> with confidence yes, and yes. aggressiveness that even in the best highlight packages I can recall seeing of Markel Fultz, I never saw the intensity, the willingness to dominate, the aggressiveness, and just the overall, like, my dick is so big, <laughs> and I know I'm better than you. Mentality, that like MJF mentality, to throw yes. it to our uh, you know co podcast Power Bombs and Potables. Our friend Corey Oates hosting that for you every week. But if you're familiar with all Elite Wrestling, MJF, the cocky, arrogant, I know I'm the best kind of guy. Like that's the feeling I got just from watching all the film that I did on Tyrese Maxey. Is that This kid thinks he's the best player on the court and he wants to dominate you. And even at the peak of Markel Fultz hype, that that seemed to be the knock on him even in the best case scenario was. You know, he went to Washington. He didn't really play against the elite of the elite. Whereas Maxie goes to Kentucky. They're a top 10 program all year. Most years they're hovering around number one. They're usually a one seed in the tournament. So many big-name players have come out of there. He he talked significantly in the interview after he was drafted about how close he is with Rajon Rondo, who, Steve, you will know that I've been a huge fan of my entire life, mm-hmm. even enjoying him back as a Celtic, which pained me. And you were even the guy, I believe, that got me the Rajon Rondo Celtics jersey. I be- did, didn't I? Because enough. I liked him so much, and I I hated that I had a Celtics jersey, but I loved Jean Rondo. And Maxie broke down in tears talking about how Rondo took him under his wing and didn't have to do that. And has shown him all the tricks of the trade and all the pro tips, and you can see it in his game, especially on the defensive end. Uh, I, I I can wax poetic on this kid for a while, and I'm sure I will after, but I want to <laughs> get to you. You know, what have you seen? What have you watched of him? And and you know, how excited are you? Or or you know, are there any concerns that you have about Tyrese Maxey coming in and and probably going to be expected to do a decent amount as you know a, a pick at 21, but again, a guy.
1: That that i don't believe really should have been going that late well it's funny you bring up rajon rondo because who was the coach that made rajon rondo the player that he was doc rivers and that he's coming to a doc rivers team so it's nice to see that kind of little connection there Um, i do have a a few concerns but nothing that i'm going to really worry about um well what are they so just some of the concerns is um, now everyone says like he's a really good one-on-one defender. I didn't see a whole like ton of highlights I- again. It's not like, I mean, if you don't know by now, like neither of us watch a ton of college basketball no, any, at, all. at all. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I watch like YouTube highlights and stuff like that. Right. So Same. I didn't see a lot of stuff on him on defense, but I- I'm not saying that's for a reason to be concerned on defense. Um and it just so all of his highlights just seemed him the, the way he drives to the basket and that's what I was thinking when I was watching these highlights I'm like oh I like I I see you kind of Mark help but I don't know if I want to say it if it'll be like a jinx or something uh he's very creative when he gets to the basket he just has a way of um whether it's getting shots himself or throwing an alley-oop to a big man down low. It just seems like the closer he gets to the basket, the better he gets. Um, I didn't see – I saw all but maybe one, like, mid-range shot, but, again, I'm not concerned because they say that's the most useless shot now in basketball or whatever. Um, And they uh, keep labeling him as a combo guard, which, to me, combo guards I'm thinking you can play both one and a two – um, I didn't really see him really run an offense. The one thing I did see that really encouraged me got me excited was just how he plays on transition. Absolutely. And he's just, like, so athletic, and that's just what I love about this pick is unlike so many others in the past, it made sense. Like, this guy, he was projected to be in the teens, and I don't think he necessarily fell because of his injury history. It just seemed like, um, and this happens to see, uh, happens in a lot of dress and sports where like, everyone just suddenly starts uh, drafting like a power forward. Um, so I don't think it's, he fell because of anything bad. I just think, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. And, and they got to steal at 21, man. I'm, I'm really excited.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily the injury itself. He's not coming in with any looming concerns about his health. It's the fact that he didn't really play in the tourney, I think is what really dropped him to some extent, but uh, as far as far as what you said, so here's what I can tell you from everything I've read and watched. Is number one, the defense is definitely not the concern. If you're going to say which one he's probably going to need more work on, it's for sure his offense. The defense is definitely there per all the scouts and per plenty of the things that I watched. Uh, he he's a, he's a two-way combo guard. Uh, ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni, uh, who had him 15th on his big board, said he's a versatile two-way combo guard. Uh, he has... The build, he has the wingspan. You know, when you look at a guy that's 6'3 and you're talking about him as more of a shooting guard, that could maybe be a concern in today's league, but he has the wingspan, and like you said, it makes sense because you need a guy who's willing to shoot, who's willing to do all these things, and that was the thing I loved about him is this ridiculous confidence in himself. The the looming concern is obviously the 29.2% from three-point range. But as a lot of people have already looked at, I believe he was somewhere in the, uh, I think it was around 83% from the free throw line, which is usually a uh, indicator of being able to at least work with the shot. And the thing is, is, it it just felt, obviously on a highlight reel, all the shots are going to go in. But it still felt like when the shots matter they were going in. He had a right. lot of significant plays for Kentucky. Coming in as a freshman, uh, there's the infamous highlight, I believe it's what, I th- think they're playing like number one Michigan State. And he hits this like 30.3 uh, to take them up three with a guy in his face, you know, contesting it. Uh, a lot of the comparisons for him actually relate him to like a Lou Williams who plays defense. Mm. Um, he, he definitely seems like he has the sixth man kind of motor. So maybe he doesn't even project to necessarily be a starter, but he definitely projects as a guy who's going to come off the bench and say, all right, this is my time and get it, you know, be a high energy, both ends of the court. Like you said, a great transitional asset and the combo guard thing is probably the thing that I think is the, the biggest skepticism that's fair to have. I'm not worried about the defense. And I'm not worried about him being an off ball scorer. The problem is I agree. There really isn't anything that indicates that he could really be even a backup point guard kind of role. I think he falls a lot into the Josh Richardson category here where yeah. you, you, you project all those things because he can pass and he can dribble, but there's, there's just that, difference between a guy who's really out there able to initiate an offense and really have the eye for it you know something we praise Ben Simmons for especially for his size and everything that I don't think that Maxi necessarily has could he get there sure I don't know I'm not saying he can't do it but I think to bill him right away as a combo guard is a little bit of a leap because I definitely think that the worst thing. That he could be asked to do early is have to play some kind of point guard role because I think that's going to think that would take the longest to develop. So I think he could be a great, you know, two guard with Ben and probably be the guy that, you know, defends an opposing point guard if you don't want to use Ben for that. Because one of the things looking at this roster, it really is going to be, you know, who's able to defend guys like Kemba and the likes that always give us trouble. And while you can stick Ben on them, sometimes that's not always the best use of him, and I think Maxie is a guy that could come in immediately. Like, him and Matisse are going to be a problem. Yeah. And Ben, too. I definitely shouldn't leave Ben out of that. Obviously, a guy that we were hoping to be more of a player in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation, so... For sure, like that, that's a high intensity, high energy transitional group. But this kid's not afraid to shoot. So, even if he only ends up shooting, you know, the low 30s, like if this, if he can get the 33% with his willingness, and then combine the fact that he should get great looks playing with a guy like Ben Simmons and having a guy like Joel Embiid, you know, even out there to draw attention away from him. I mean, he shot 29.2% from three point range in Kentucky, but he was also like the main guy. Yeah. So, you figure. He's taking long shots, he's taking contested shots, he was taking, you know, plays, you know, the same thing we complained about with the Sixers, where the shot clock's winding down and no one else wants to shoot it. Like, he's jacking those. So, I'd like to think that when he shoots in rhythm, which I definitely think that for the tape that I watched, the biggest concern I saw in his three point shot was his footwork. He would come down really wide legged sometimes, like, he would go up fine, but you know, coming back down, it was very kind of clunky. Uh, He would almost be in like a split or one of his feet would like tail back. But when he really was in rhythm, when he wasn't having to force that shot, when he was just shooting on an open look right around the arc, I think his technique kind of fixed itself. So I don't know if that's just kind of like, you know, he's smaller, maybe from longer distance, he kind of changes his shot to be able to get it to the rim. And he still had pretty good success with it. But I think if you just get him more into a consistent spot up look, more routine in the offense rather than being like having to create it for himself and take it. I think that there could be a lot of advantages and a great potential for that number to rise to at least the NBA average, which honestly, if he can do everything I've seen from him and shoot NBA average from three, this is a slam dunk of a pick.
1: Yeah, and two interesting stats that I kept coming across, and of course I now can't find on my phone, uh, you mentioned how he shot was it 88, 89% from free throws? Eighty three point, eighty three. 83, okay. Um, and then he shot 29% and change beyond three. But I also read somewhere, or a few different places rather, that against top 25 teams, he shot over 40% from yes, three. Yes, I remember hearing that too. And then also a lot of the threes he took were from NBA range. They weren't, you know. Oh, yeah, he was chalking so, them. Man. There's so many I mean, ones
0: of him shooting from like 30 plus.
1: And, It's just kind of funny how the volume of threes has always been an issue for this team for the past year or so. Correct. And uh, just one thing to end on, you keep saying you know confidence, and that's not important to a lot of people. But when you draft someone like Markel Fultz and go through whatever the hell he went, that becomes important. Um, And, again, he may take a lot of threes and doesn't make them, but when it matters the most, he did. We had a J.J. Redick. Probably going to go down one of the best three-pointer three-point shooters of his generation, but when it mattered the most, when we really needed a three, JJ couldn't make it. Maybe Maxi gives us you know the you know the opposite end of it. He can make it when it really counts, when it really matters.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I love this pick so much. I'm so glad. When I found out about the Al Horford deal, which I maybe we can jump to next as a transition here, when I first saw the report of the Horford deal and I saw we were giving up a first, I assumed it was this pick, and I was devastated because I really thought that there was a chance that some talent was going to fall to this spot. And then I immediately messaged Marty Teller. I said, please make me feel okay about this trade. And he's like, yeah, it's a 1st round pick in 2025, and we traded Al Horford, and I'm like, wait, 2025? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't fucking care. Go no. ahead. That's fine. So uh, I, I couldn't be happier about this pick. I'm very excited for for Maxie to be a 76er, and it also appears that he has a great relationship both with Ben and LeBron. I, I believe he's a clutch guy already. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it, it definitely seems like it'll be a great – Opportunity for him and Ben to work together, and I'm, I'm very, very excited for uh, him to be here. So, holding on to that pick obviously important, and the Sixers did make a deal with a first round pick, but not till 2025, as we previously mentioned. Steve, do you want to uh, break down the details of the Al Horford deal?
1: Sure. So, we gave up Al Horford this year's 34th pick. I don't know who that is, but it was a 34th pick. It's our first of the second rounders the 2025 first round pick which it does have some protections to it um nothing significant. i think it's top 3 protected something like that and then the draft rights to Vasilije Micic who we drafted 52nd overall in the 2014 draft now just for some fun trivia here with Micic because he's kind of like that unknown mysterious guy some Sixers fans just kind of talk about and you know maybe they watch tape of him overseas or they're kind of anticipating him coming here at some point in the past six years and obviously never going to happen but 2014 the same year we drafted Embiid and Dario in the first round and we also drafted Jeremy Grant in the second round ahead of him and just to, to, for how long we had his rights just to put it into perspective. The second rounder we uh, obtained to draft him was from the Spencer Hall's trade. Jesus! So talk about going back and they, you know. We, so Mitrich
0: is a process sixer. Yeah,
1: he's literally, he literally never came over. He's the guy. Still hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. The uh,
0: thirty fourth pick was Theo Maladon. Okay. Uh, he is an international prospect, so uh, I don't fucking care.
1: Probably another guy that won't come over for six years or something. Yeah, the Mitchich
0: thing is is something like it hurts because we had heard all this talk about how good he was, and if you've seen any clips of him, uh, he's been killing it overseas. But, again, you've had his rights for six years. I don't know. Like, all jokes aside, I really don't know if this guy's ever coming over. Yeah. So, at this point, like, whatever. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. If if that's the kicker instead of, you know, a Matisse or a Zaire or whatever, even – not knowing what Zaire may ever be, I'd rather roll the dice on Zaire who's here yeah. and working than a guy who's overseas and may not ever come over.
1: The other thing too, him being a six foot six point guard, a lot of his uh skill set and what he's best at overlaps with Ben Simmons right, and we don't need another Ben Simmons per se and a lot of the experts just had this guy said, "Okay, well, when he does come over, he's probably going to be like a six man or a really, really good bench player." And it's like, "Okay, well, if he's never, you never know if and when this guy's coming over." So I am completely fine with him being a throw-in for an Al Horford trade.
0: Yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world. That's all it is. We we get attached to these guys. We hope that maybe they can be some kind of savior or some kind of. Uh, dart throw that pans out, but the the reality is the odds of that are very slim. And, hey, if he comes over and has a great career, whatever. You know, former Sixer, good for him, but was never even here. It's not like he came here and we ruined him, so it's not, it's not really the same as some of the other stories, so I'm fine with it. So not only are they able to, to move Horford, but they actually get back Danny Green, who uh, I feel like a lot of Sixers fans have pined over for a long time. I mean, we've pined over pretty much anybody in the league that can actually hit a shot and defend Yeah. Uh, because we we've struggled to find guys who can do both and Danny Green is definitely winding down to the end of his career but he is he is still a proven guy Mm -hmm. he's still a veteran he still performed pretty well for a Lakers team that won the title so I mean we now you know bringing in the Dwight Howard move again you now bring two guys who are coming off winning a ring and you you could say oh well you know they just won how motivated are they gonna be but at the same time I mean these are both guys that have won a lot in their careers. These aren't guys that seem like they were just chasing the ring and now it might be the end. I mean, these are guys that have competed at a high level for a long time and also have both probably made enough money that they really don't have to just sell out to do anything. I I think that both of them can be solid contributors. I don't really want either of them to start. I know some people are already pegging Danny Green in the starting lineups and I'm not there, Mm. but... To get a to get a guy that I truly believe can be in a playoff rotation for Al Horford is is something I really did not expect. So yeah. to know that I'm getting a, a quote unquote three and D wing, which Lord knows you can never have enough of, for a guy who's making almost thirty million dollars to be a bad backup center i'm I'm completely okay with that, and i I really think that while I know this isn't really how it works, that if you look at that deal and also factor in now getting Dwight Howard, you would do that deal in a heartbeat absolutely so i uh, i don't I don't really know how anybody could be unhappy with that. I haven't really seen anybody be unhappy with that, so I'm not trying to speculate that anybody was or or cause any commotion but uh, for anybody that was, I, I think that this really was the best-case scenario. I think most people would agree that this would have costed more and brought back less. So, that I mean, that's a win-win to me. You didn't give up nearly as much as I think you would have needed to to get off of his deal, and you actually received
1: something valuable in return. And- and, and uh, there's a, another benefit if, let's say, Danny Green just becomes – let's say Danny Green, oh, I don't know, comes to the Sixers and completely forgets how to play basketball because that has happened with some guys True. who come to the Sixers and just start sucking for no reason. Sure. Both him and Ferguson are have one year remaining on their deals, and there are uh, contracts that could be uh, very flexible or could be very meaningful come trade deadline. So there is also that uh, – I've been one of the guys who's been pining for Danny Green for years. And honestly, I couldn't believe that when he, uh, Kawhi was traded to Toronto, they just like kind of threw him in. I guess it was more of a salary match. I'm like, wait, Toronto is getting Danny Green and Kawhi for, for, for DeMar DeRozan? Yeah, like, that's a great point. Like, I'm like, really? Like, it just, it seemed like, uh, like uh, the Spurs really lost that trade? Which well, while, yeah, you already knew they, the Raptors were winning yeah.
0: at getting Kawhi, and you're like, wait, they also get this guy that you are pretty sure could definitely be a good role player for a title contender, and and now you have him here.
1: And and if there's uh, any criticism I've seen, which isn't a lot, like you said about Danny Green, people just say, oh, well, he's overrated, he's getting old. I'm like, uh, okay, well, you know, is would you rather have I don't know, Danny Green or Glenn Robinson the third, or just a better. Oh, I'd person. rather have
0: Glenn Robinson the third. But really, yeah, yeah, and well, here's the thing. I mean, Danny Green is fine. the 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 value of him is he's a veteran winner who is technically three and D, but he is older. He is making fifteen million plus, so he's obviously being overpaid. But like you said, it's expiring, yeah. so there's value in that. Whereas Glenn Robinson. I, I do think has higher upside, but you don't know that you'd actually get it from him. We already saw the the weird issues he had when he came over. And also, you're going to have to give him a couple years and a decent chunk of change. He's probably not going to get $15 million a year. So you'd probably get a better deal for him sure. and, and, yeah, ma- and maybe better productivity than you would Danny Green. But Glenn Robinson has no track history of, of winning anything or playing in clutch situations. And again, it's something that you're locked into for a couple years and there's risk reward with that, whether he's able to live up to whatever you give him or not. The good thing with Danny Green is he's here. You could technically use him still in a salary match if you have to, but I I think he's gonna be here. But the good thing is that contract ends at the end of this season. And, you know, if not, then you know, you have him and hopefully he plays well and you know, he can be a good influence on a lot of guys here. A guy I'm really excited for him to work with, everybody probably guessed it, Furcon Korkmaz. Mm-hmm. I've well, he'll really... have
1: to fight for minutes with furcon I mean. Mm.
0: With a coach like Doc, I don't know. Yeah. That, that, and not to get off topic, because this is something for another day, but <laughs> I, I still truly believe Furcon Korkmaz needs to be a, a a viable piece for this team, obviously off the bench, of course. But my fear is that he was only given a chance. while while Brett definitely mismanaged him at times I I do wonder if Doc Rivers is going to really want to toy around with him and what his opinion on Furkan will be where I think that eventually Furkan kind of won Brett over and played into the role. I I feel like Doc Rivers, as much as we talked about Brett being a veteran guy, I feel like Doc is going to be even more. Oh yeah, of a veteran guy. So I I'm not sure that there's going to be a competition there. I feel like right off the bat, it's probably going to be Danny Green's. Job so to veteran, lose.
1: so veteran. He traded for his son-in-law, which we'll get to. He, well, yeah, and and, and and
0: that's pretty much coming up next. So and now but, now
1: wait a minute, and before we shit on Al Horford a ton, um, I I, I do have to point out. Dwight Howard's coming here from LA, as is Danny Green. Rondo's going to the Hawks. Anthony Davis still hasn't signed. Like I just want to know. Like LeBron must have been really fucking annoying in that bubble for everyone wanting to leave or <laughs> reconsidering. I'm just just saying. You know, I, I haven't heard anyone else say that. So
0: it, it is true. You know, uh, just, it, it it there there may be something to that. It, there, there really hasn't been many people that have stuck by. LeBron, but again another another conversation <laughs> yeah, for another yeah, yeah. day. I guess before I almost forgot, I thought this is what you were throwing it to. You uh you were so generous as to make a little goodbye present for Al Horford that that we were considering playing at the beginning of the episode and then got sidetracked by Dwight Howard and whatnot. So uh from Process Potables, ma- mainly from Steve, but for the brand, we would officially like to say goodbye to Al Horford and more importantly, Anna Horford. Yeah. With this song by our own Steve Jones.
1: That we are here is to say
0: goodbye to a guy who we will probably never ever see again. I am going to be doing something I wrote specifically for Al Horford. Um, Goodbye, stranger, super tramp. It was early morning yesterday. I was up before the dawn. Really have enjoyed my stay. Al Horford oh, must <laughs> be moving on. Goodbye. Al Horford, I am at a loss for words
1: now if you follow me on twitter you should know that whether i do anything like that or a meme or a bad photoshop the intention is to be horrible at it so right. i i do not proclaim to be an artist unless i'm literally on a grill besides that i you know i, I am not artistic at all but goodbye al horford and one little little takey take I do have. You Ooh, know what's the little takey take? Yeah, the best part about this trade, what I'm really enjoying is that no fucking nerd on Twitter could be like, oh well I put that together on the ESPN trade machine. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Like everyone had these outrageous fucking deals involving Al Horford. Now there's people like our friend Marty Teller who had trade ideas that were actually that made sense, but People would have a trade for, like, Al Horford going to, you know, let's say Houston for James Harden straight up, and people are like, who says no? It's like every, you know, every idiot that has a trade proposal always has to end it with, like, well, who says no? It's like, well, well the Rockets or, you know, whatever team you're going to ship Al Horford off to. And it's just – that's just a little, you know, stupid take I have because I'm glad that the, that no one got it right.
0: I'm glad you gave Marty credit because he oh, did, yeah.
1: he did say
0: literally I think it was I forget if it was a year or two ago that or it was a year ago that somebody literally said, you know, if you could use Al Horford's uh, money to sign two players instead, who would they be? And Marty literally said Danny Green and Seth Curry. Yeah, he, yeah. he said that. Yep. Twitter so, had the
1: receipts, baby.
0: Yeah, every, we, Shout we're, out to Marty. We're, we're keeping receipts. Shout out our friend Marty Teller. We're going to talk about Seth Curry in just a minute after this message from our sponsor, the Andrew Boss Team at Berkshire Hathaway. Who's the next person you know who will be buying or selling a home? Have them contact the Andrew Boss Team at Berkshire Hathaway for the most trusted process when it comes to real estate in New Jersey. Call today, 856 904 5636. That's eight five six nine zero four five six three six and mention Process Potables for exclusive savings. All right. So again, before we get to the Sixers' second actual draft pick of the night, Daryl Morey made yet another move, in which the Sixers sent Josh Richardson and the 34th pick to the Dallas Mavericks, getting them Seth Curry in return, who happens to be the son-in-law of Doc Rivers. Seth Curry, an absolute sharpshooter. Here it was a interesting tweet I saw. This was from uh, our friend Kevin McCormick of uh, 97.3 ESPN and of the Liberty Line. So shout out to them. Seth Curry's 48.1% on catch and shoot threes was the highest in the NBA last season by any player with at least three attempts per game. You know who's... I'm pretty sure led the league in, like, three-point assists last year, Steve. Who's that? I, I believe that was Ben Simmons. Oh, how convenient. Yeah. So if you're thinking that somebody is going to be able to put a guy like Seth Curry in position to be an absolute success, which he hasn't had any problem doing to this point, mind you, I think it's going to be Ben Simmons. Yeah.
1: Who the fuck is Seth? I, I I already <laughs> oh, started thinking about okay. how to make that shit yeah.
0: work. Yeah, absolutely already on my mind.
1: And I, I did see another funny thing, too, on Twitter was someone said, like, uh, comparing Seth Curry to his brother, that I guess Seth has, like, you know, like a 42% from three over his career. And Steph was, like, you know, half a point. People were like, well, who do you take? I'm like, okay, I'll take that one. I but, mean,
0: Seth Curry is 44.3% <laughs> for his career, is, which oh, wow, is absolutely insane. Yeah yeah on uh, on about four attempts a game
1: yeah it, it just sucks man because i uh I know a lot of people were quick to shit on Josh Richardson too, unlike al horford like he's someone who I found myself rooting for, and it just sucked man, like he would play two to three weeks of just some of the best basketball of his career and absolutely then he would you know have a hamstring injury it just it, it just really sucked um but he's on the last year of his deal, he's probably gonna get paid more than ten million. Year that he's making now, where Seth Curry he signed for another uh, three years over twenty five million dollars, insanely
0: valuable deal. Yeah,
1: so again, like that, that's that's a very a good value contract to have. Absolutely, Uh, you get someone who can spot up and and shoot threes. Maybe he can be. I don't want to say exactly like JJ Redick. Maybe having that two man game with Joel Embiid because he's more of a. Pick and roll player, or you know, good, good um, off the ball. Uh, whereas you know, JJ Redick was more, you know, I guess catch and shoot screens and stuff like that. But I could, you know, hopefully we could maybe see a little bit of that again with Embiid.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think Seth moves off the ball like JJ does. I think that was probably the thing. J.J. Reddick did better than just about anybody else yeah. who's moving through screens and, and being very active on the offensive end as far as his movement for not being really an athlete. But I don't I don't think it's that difficult to get guys in the right spots. And I think the thing about J.J. Reddick was that's just how he liked to play, and they made that offense around him, which I think kind of made it uncomfortable for a lot of other people. Sure. Because most people don't move like that. I think Seth is the kind of guy that doesn't need you to do much to get him going. And to your point... Steph Curry career is forty three and a half percent, so uh, eight tenths of a percentage better is Seth Curry over his career. Mind you, Steph takes about eight, a little yeah. over eight a game, and still shoots over forty three percent. But last year, Steph Curry twenty four and a half percent from three. Yeah, he had a really bad year. Well, I mean, I play five games, so I mean, oh yeah, that's right. Pretty much hurt the whole time, <laughs> but still, point is. Uh, Seth Curry shot forty five point two percent last year on a career high five attempts a game, so uh, he still appears to be on the rise. Last year, definitely his best year shooting the ball on pretty much all accounts. Um, he's a great free throw shooter as well. Uh, obviously, not being a huge possession guy, he doesn't really turn it over. Only averages one turnover a game for his career. We know that has played the Sixers for quite some time, but <laughs> he doesn't really do much of anything else either. And again, another guy when we kind of talked about it with Maxie a little bit where people kind of just think anybody like that can be a potential combo guard or backup point guard. And and it just gets thrown around too much. Seth Curry is definitely not that either. Uh, People keep saying that he can be. I I don't think so. No. Uh, Would I rather him do it than Maxie? Sure. Because he's at least been in the league long enough and I know he can handle the ball. But neither of them is an answer at backup point guard. So right now, that still sits with Shake Milton, barring you know any other moves or, or anything like that. But still, to the point, you know Josh Richardson. I I think we were pretty fair on him. We never got too high, but like you said, he did have some stretches where you were like, "Holy shit!" Like this guy's actually you know a superstar in the making. But then he just had these absolute cold streaks where he couldn't do anything either. It's too up and down. And again, you know he was on a one year deal. They could have possibly tried to extend him, but with with all the cap shenanigans going on, that was definitely going to be a tall task, and all the moves so far the The amazing thing about these moves, and I know this is really the one thing the skeptics have the few and far between have kind of brought out is basically you know more is just shedding sal you know the tax that they have to pay and all right. of that. And people are are acting like these guys they're getting are better than players they had when ultimately, you know, guys like Josh Richardson and Al Horford were better than, you know, a Danny Green and and a Seth Curry. Yeah, Curry, yeah. Which which I know this has been said as well, but it's the reality. In a vacuum, yes. Like if you were just like – this is a dumb way to put it, I know. But I feel like it's the easiest way to explain it. If you're going to put – Al Horford and Josh Richardson in NBA 2K and give them an overall rating, they're both probably going to have a higher overall rating than Seth Curry and Danny Green did. No doubt, yeah. But it's about what this team needs. It's about their ability to play with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and that is the one thing... That thankfully, to this point, that Daryl Morey has been completely upfront about, as was Doc Rivers, as is the whole thing, is that there is no indication from this organization that they plan to break up that pairing. That they believe Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can win together. And this is the first time in the, in the history of this team that it truly feels like they are putting players around them that are not only going to maximize Ben and Joel, but that Ben and Joel are going to maximize these guys. Like Ben and Joel should make Danny Green look like the best version of Danny Green that there has been or that we've ever seen. Seth, uh, Seth Curry, I was about to call him Seth Green. Oh, God, and I saw, <laughs> some, and I already saw yeah, somebody make that joke today. That, yeah. So I, I don't even not taking any credit for that. That that was burned into my brain and I hated it. <laughs> but Seth Curry still feels like even even at this point in his career that he's still on this kind of 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 uh, rise. You know, again, most three point attempts per game last season, highest three point percentage uh, of his career, and an absolute sniper. It 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 just makes so much sense that he could actually be better than that here. Like it doesn't seem like a stretch at all, and that's why it seems better. While you could say that, oh, maybe Horford and Josh Richardson are guys that might be like. Eighty threes in a video game, and maybe Danny Green and Seth Curry are like, you know, seventy eight, seventy seven kind of guys. They are exactly what this team needs, and especially in the case of like a Danny Green, I think he's a guy that you would definitely love his his presence, his clutchness in the playoffs, in, in a tough series against a team like Boston or Toronto or Milwaukee, uh, so on and so forth. So yeah, and there are also guys that I I, I truly like. Not only do I think that they're guys that Daryl Morey values, and and again, I think pretty much everybody is on board with trusting him and his evaluation of players. But I, I truly believe they're guys that Doc Rivers wants too. Like I really feel like everything that's happening so far makes sense on all accounts. It makes sense that they're guys that the GM would want based on value and and trying to get the best out of your stars. And they feel like guys that Doc is going to have a very easy time fitting into a scheme because they are, you know niche role players they have defined roles they define skill sets that they are good at and they can execute and doc rivers has always been a guy that's been pretty good about that and in that same sentiment we're hoping that that's going to reopen the door for tobias harris to get back to the level that we hoped he would prior to the trade where we acquired him
1: Yeah, and one thing I will say is we keep saying it makes sense, which just seems so obvious.
0: It seems like we're saying it so much, but it's like the first time in 80 episodes that we've said it. (laughs) So we're making up for all this lost time where we could have been saying it (laughs) had they had any fucking structure of a fucking front
1: office. Yes, yeah, and I think part of people's argument saying that well al horford and Josh richardson are definitely better than seth curry and danny green i think there's with a lot of people they just are stuck in this mentality and thought that in the draft or free agency you just get the best available player and you figure it out and i think more so in football probably any other sport that definitely makes sense but I would say in the NBA that makes the least amount of sense because, dude, just going back to the process, at one point the Sixers had Embiid and Okafor and Neuron and even Rashawn Holmes. Like, they had like four centers like fighting for time. And I know Embiid was injured for a good chunk of that, but but still, that plan just hasn't worked. And then, again, things that don't make sense, like whatever the fuck happened to Markel Fultz, you know? And then Al, Hort, getting Al Horford last year. We we did say in the past, how, well, we kind of were talking ourselves into it. Like, yeah, he could play small ball, you know, for stretch four. And But again, those are things he'd never done in his career. And as, you know, you become older, you're just not going to suddenly take on a new role and do all these changes. And it was just like, okay, maybe, but doesn't really make sense, but we'll see what happens. And just trying to, you know, get the best pieces and then making it fit. Just this front office has not figured that out. And I think that's just something you can't do in basketball. I mean, the, the last time, just thinking in terms of titles, the last time a team won a championship where you had two players who were pretty much the same position, you're probably going back to, um, you know, Tim Duncan and David Robinson. That's twenty twenty one 21 years ago, dude. I, I, I mean... So to be excited because things are just finally making fucking sense. It sounds, you know, really redundant, but I it just it's like Mori came out of nowhere and just fixed everything like that, man.
0: Absolutely. I It's it's so weird being happy after the draft and on day 1 of free agency considering that they really haven't made any like groundbreaking moves, but I guess for this organization moves that make sense could pretty much be considered groundbreaking, <laughs> uh, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Before we move on to the next pick, just some quick hits. So uh, a guy we've talked about a lot, Mario Shayak, who was a two-way player for the Sixers last year, was cut by the team today. I I was a big fan of his having you know covered the Bluecoats last season, obviously, but... I think that I tried to be a realist on him as well and and explain to people that in my discussions with coach Johnson uh, down there that he was very honest about the fact that Shayok would struggle at the next level that he you know needed too many moves and, and too much time to get his shot off that you know he wasn't as explosive as as he may appear against G League talent and things like that and I just don't, I guess, I mean, I guess the Sixers saw that too, obviously. Does he seem like he has enough talent to probably get another shot somewhere? Yeah. Is that probably in the G League again? Yes. Yes. Uh, You know, I I don't expect this to be the end for him, but it doesn't surprise me that there's not going to be a place for him on the Sixers. Again, with all the moves that they're making, it seems like they are very much trying to right this ship and get right into championship contender mode. So there's not going to be any time to work on a project like Shayok when you're going to need those spaces for either, you know, vet minimum guys or, you know, some of these draft picks. Uh, that we've either talked about or are going to get to. Norval Pell, another one. I think Norval Pell had more NBA now talent, obviously, than Shayok, and that would make sense being that he was with the team. But especially now, us just finding out that Dwight Howard was signed to be the backup, I would much rather go into the season with Dwight Howard as my backup. Then Norvell Powell, so wishing both of those guys all the best. They were incredible guys to cover in both Delaware and in their time with the Sixers. I'm sure that they will get a shot elsewhere. I do believe Powell could be a backup big man for at least a year or two in the NBA if somebody wants to give him a chance. But he is going to have to figure out how to not foul out of games if given significant minutes. And Shayok is obviously going to have to work on being a better spot-up shooter and really get more inclined to knock those down and not need to have the ball in his hands to create because that's going to be a difficult problem for him at the NBA level
1: and if there is no minutes in the G League for them there's always the New York Knickerbockers oh boy
0: (laughs) I mean Shayok could probably be a sixth man for the Knicks right now that actually doesn't feel like a crazy sentence to say but uh, we move on to the next Sixers draft pick uh, at 49, they selected Isaiah Joe, uh, who came from Arkansas. He's 6'5". He recorded about 14 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and, and 1.5 steals as a freshman two years ago. And then in this past season, improved to 17 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and 1.5 steals per game. Uh, He is a tremendous shooter. Uh, His freshman year, he shot 41.4% from beyond the arc. Uh, He is a 89% free throw shooter last year, which was 14th best in the NCAA Mm -hmm. and was on the watch list for the Jerry West Award, which is for the best shooting guard in the country. So another guy that I saw a decent amount of hype for amongst the people that I follow who Really pay attention to the draft. Thought this was a guy that honestly could have probably gone even, you know, in the mid 30s and ends up falling all the way to 49. Will definitely be more of a pro- project, but also seems like another shooter. And what's the thing that everybody's been saying for years now? Surround, Surround him with the shooters. shooters. So yep. they did go and do that. He does seem to me like a little bit more, again, talked about how I kind of hate this. Thing, but I feel like he actually has a little bit more combo guard in him than a maxi does whereas I feel like maxi is definitely more of a pure scorer uh if you know that appeases anybody but uh neither is really both of them are gonna be projects for that kind for of sure. thing but you can fill that in other ways i don't I don't think that you have to try and peg these guys. As that role, not not to you know beat a dead horse here, but I think it's fine to just look at these guys as guards that can come in and shoot. And honestly, like that, that's fine. Like all this team needs is some fucking shooters. That's today's NBA, man. Yeah, so go get him. You know, six five. You know, he he's got the build for it a little bit. It sounds like he can do a little bit of everything. The the steel numbers indicate that he's a player on the defensive end as well.
1: Um, his, get. The only knocks I write up on him was that his defense isn't that strong, and then he uh, poor ball handling, and that while he's a really good shooter, he he has uh, he can't really play through contact at all, and definitely needs to bulk up a little bit. But well, great, I don't care you know, about that, yeah, because we have Ben Simmons and Maxie to do all that. I was about anyway. to say, so you know, yeah, who like could play through contact, yeah.
0: Maxi, because that's all he did. So now you get a guy who maybe is more of your sniper. As we know, Max, he does have the concerns with his shooting that hopefully project out to at least get to okay. Now you're bringing a guy that's definitely, you know, your spot-up shooter, hopefully, your guy that you can trust beyond the arc. And, you know, if he's not the creator, that's fine. Max is your creator. And, Isaiah and I, Joe comes in as a shooter, and, and you're good to go.
1: Yeah, and Joe's jump shot, like, just is one of the prettier jump shots I've Absolutely. ever... Like, I just... I don't know how to describe. It. Like it's like I want to like blow it up to like a two by three poster and frame it. Like it's just very, you know, very very textbook, I guess, and just very very pretty, man. It's beautiful, man.
0: So so two guards. This team actually drafts two guards that appear that they they can play. I imagine Joe might spend the year in the G League or maybe be a potential two way player. I think Maxie's going to be on the roster opening night. I think that he's he's going to be an NBA ready talent right away and, and maybe Joe gets there I don't know necessarily I don't I don't think they have to rush him I think that that's the good part about him is I feel like you know instead of like a draft and stash you actually got a guy who probably only needs like one year to just kind of get himself into potentially being an NBA backup guard uh, which is fine you know that that gives you another year yeah. where a shake Milton fills that role you know maybe you go out and, and and get a vet minimum guy just to come in for a year uh, to fill that kind of role, so I think they're okay in that regard. Uh, they are, they are still going to have their taxpayer MLA. Uh I believe they created a trade exception with the Horford deal as well. It's like eight or nine million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought I heard something like ten. So somewhere in that eight to ten million range for sure. So a lot of optionality coming out of all of this, not only in the the cap scenario but also in the roster scenario, which is all we we've really wanted is some optionality, some guys that can do some different things. You know, you've you've got probably at this point in his career a little more offensive oriented small forward in, in your Danny Green. You've got your defensive oriented one in your Matisse Thybul. Hopefully they can kinda rub off on on one another maybe in in some way, shape or form. You bring in a guy like Maxie who maybe can work with maybe him and Shake Milton can kind of feed off each other, mm-hmm. both kind of these creating semi combo guards. There, there's a lot of good things to see. Doc Rivers, hopefully the guy that puts it all together. I'm 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 very excited for this Sixers roster, and uh, you know we'll have to see how everything shapes out to really figure out where where the East ends up standing, but right now, I mean, you've got to feel like you, you've got a better team out there than you did before, and so far, uh, I don't, did the, did the Bogdanovich thing go through with Milwaukee yet? Is he?
1: No, and I, and I think uh, he's now just a free agent, so I think that's, So as far yeah. as,
0: so I, I don't believe that they've really done anything that makes them better to this point. Uh, the Celtics, as far as I know, the only move I know they have is that I'm pretty sure Gordon Hayward's gone. Yeah. Uh. So. So nothing really changing there. The Heat
1: at this point. Uh. They re-signed Drogic. Yeah. So um, I, I mean they're not.
0: I. I know they were able to. Uh. I know they. They were able to exercise. I guess the. I think they had team options on Duncan Robinson, and uh. And who, who's the dickhead who like beat up girls?
1: Oh, um... Kendrick
0: Nunn. Yes. Uh, so, like, a bunch of those guys will be back, but still nothing else changing. So, Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I mean, it seems like the East right now has been pretty stagnant, while it seems like the Sixers have gotten significantly better. One thing, Steve, that unfortunately did not get better, their City Edition jerseys, oh. which have been out for a while, but we haven't talked about them yet with the Boathouse Row tracing outline, however you want to describe it, which initially... Like before you really put together that's like Boathouse Row, you're just thinking like, you know, skyline, like, some, you know, whatever kind of tracing outline. You're like, oh, you know, maybe that's cool. They're black jerseys, which everybody's obviously been pining after, um, you know, love a good black jersey because uh, I don't know about you, but being a big guy, I'm not a big fan of wearing white. Nope. Nope. Uh, have bought too many white Sixers jerseys that make me look like a marshmallow. So, really not interested. So, black jerseys all the way. I have the Embiid All-Star Game jersey that oh, was all black, be- which is yep. sweet. Uh, would love to be able to get another Sixers uh, black jersey, but I am not buying this one. Uh, the only positive from it was the little TTP thrown that in was there. was Little Easter egg. That was very cool. And, like, imagine if they got the jersey right and did that, man. Like, every fucking person would have bought it. <sighs> yeah. But the The number above it is weird. The Philadelphia below it is weird. We have the entire Chris Heck thing about how Philly is lazy
1: oh now it 's new Philadelphia and, and this is for
0: New Philadelphia, which really to me is Villanova, so <laughs> fuck you, yeah, and like you know the only fucking idiot that's going to be caught dead wearing that jersey is some dork who went to Villanova and thinks he's, like, a fucking Sixers analyst or something. Mm. Not that I'm talking about anybody in particular. No, just, you know. But, yeah, uh, I saw a lot of people, including our friend Nick Johnson, kind of, like, try to redesign and and fix the jersey. Nick did a really cool, uh, you know, like, took that premise and just kind of corrected it. I know we've got a lot of friends that are into the graphic design business, like the lovely Erica B., Nick Johnson, People like that. So, you know, we have those friends that understand that, you know, better than us, especially, Uh, you know, Steve, even you being a a much better Photoshop artist than I am at this point, (laughs) with how good you're getting at it. I have to say, you've been on fire this week. Uh, If you're not following Steve at SW Jones 87, he has been on an absolute roll. With Photoshop and memes and whatnot, especially regarding the Sixers, obviously based on, on on our tastes and whatnot. But I feel like every time you post something, it's it's what I imagined in my head and hadn't even told you yet. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got that. So uh, abs- absolutely incredible work by you. You probably could design a better jersey than yeah. this. But I won't-, I won't be caught dead in them. And the fact that Ben Simmons apparently like bugged out over and thought it was the best just tells me that Ben Simmons may have money. But money don't
1: buy style. Yeah, and, and dude, like, I just – of, of all the – we always joke at the national people, like, when we watch an Eagles game, like, oh, we can't wait for them to show the shot of, you know, Pats and Genos or the Rocky Steps. and mm-hmm. Like, bo Boat House row like, is a really nice place, and it's, you know, probably a Philadelphia thing that people outside of Philly don't really know about it. But I just, like, if you're trying to sell Embiid and Simmons jerseys across the country and world, like, that just – I think anyone looks at that is like, what? What the hell? The the, the only thing that the only um, positive is that the Celtics do have a worse jersey than us. Did you see that? Oh my god! Like I, I, I tweeted that it looked like they designed that on a Microsoft Word doc. Like that yeah. has like do you no remember start, like, do you remember just,
0: WrestleMania two thousand where you could just like fit letters on your shirt? <laughs> yeah, and we would just write like yep eat farts or yeah. like, fuck you like that's what it looks like It's somebody just wrote it yeah boston celtics
1: yeah i'm just jealous man i think uh, like chicago were just one of those teams that just put out like a really sick jersey and i just like like can, can we get one and now on top like they've teased that this was coming and then you give us this shit like bro yeah. come on next time just hire nick johnson or erica come on guys <laughs> If you
0: uh if if you follow uh the infamous Seamus Clancy and and you've seen any of his takes on it, I, I believe his uh his words were something along the lines of, and this resonated with me being that for you know, the past two years, prior to me getting my amazing new job at Bonesaw Brewing, uh, was commuting to king of prussia for a shitty desk job was basically boathouse row reminds me of sitting in dead stop traffic on on 76 <laughs> it does yeah and it's like yes that's really my only resonation with it is like i see it and it looks great but i'm passing it to and from work and most of the time i'm getting pissed off at slow drivers in the left lane or backed up traffic heading east into the city like it, it sucks like there's nothing great about it
1: and you're just sitting there in traffic, like. Oh, look at all these nice fucking houses I'll never be able to afford. Look at all these fucking prep school kids that are taking rowing. 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 Cool, bro. What the fuck, dude? Just learn how to swim. I guess it's so they can go to the National Rowing League when they grow up.
0: Yeah, that sounds fucking great. They could probably bully a bunch of trans and uh, minorities, too. Fucking Fucking assholes. Assholes. anyway so Fuck yeah you. the jersey sucked not happy but the team should be good also uh i didn't even tell you this so you're gonna find out in real time okay but i thought this was worth mentioning especially because i know we knew a lot of people who had season tickets but a lot <laughs> of people bailed after last season and good for them because it fucking sucks right now but i actually received a survey from the team about covid it was pretty lengthy it took me about seven minutes to do and it was all about Oh, if we did this, how comfortable would you be coming to games? How comfortable would you be participating in this? How comfortable would you be knowing that others did this? And, you know, that was how they were allowed into games. And literally every single thing I responded with was, I'm not comfortable going to any games. Like literally, they were like, oh, would you be comfortable going to games if we tested at the door? And I was like, no. Would you be comfortable if people took a test two days before? No, like, there's no fucking way I'm going in that building right now. Like, it's crazy out here. Uh, And then they were like, (laughs) uh, of the 37 games that you would have based on the new schedule, uh, how many would you intend on going to? And I wrote zero. And they're like, what are you going to do with them? And I said, sell them to people who will get COVID.
1: Yeah. And, dude, I I think uh, with the Eagles games, uh, when people were going, you know, to two or three games, however, like, I think, like, they were going, like, they were starting at 500 bucks. Yeah. So it's like okay, uh let's, let's make some money on stupid people. <laughs> I, I I was going to ask you that at the very end like it, it doesn't feel as embarrassing to say that, you know, we're season ticket holders after this whole uh, you know, roster being revamped. Oh, absolutely not. I'm but, stoked. Yeah, we're but stoked. But I'm still not but, fucking but going. Not going, yeah. Not no. going cuz they suck and every but no, it's Dude,
0: just... you, if they if they're starting five was Ben uh, James Harden, Kawhi, LeBron, and Bede. I wouldn't go in that building one fucking time. Like, nah. I, I swear to God, I would not. It's not worth it. No, nah, man. I'll watch on my couch with a delicious beer, whether that be from Bonesaw Brewing or from anywhere else that I enjoy. And I will watch the games in HD with you while we eat some fucking breakfast sliders or something. Yeah. And hop right on the mic after and complain about the losses, and say they're winning the title after every win, because, you know, that's what we do, baby. Yep. I'm just riffing, baby. Just riffing. Just riffing, baby. So, for Steve, I'm Dan. That's been the pod. Hope you guys had fun. We completely just winged this bullshit, and clearly, if you can't tell, I've had a few drinks, but I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys had a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, don't know when it'll be. Hopefully, if any other news or trades or anything comes of free agency, which I'm sure the Sixers are not done yet, we will be sure to fill you in on that. If you have any mailbag-type questions or anything you would like us to discuss, we will absolutely do so. I'm sure, hopefully, once the roster is a little bit more finalized, maybe we can talk about some ideas about rotations or depth or who's going to do what who's going to be where, playing what position, et cetera, et cetera. But until then, thanks, everybody, for listening, and trust the podcast.